0: Welcome to the NP Dude, this is episode 5 of the NP Dude and today I want to spend some time talking about credentialing and um, going through some things about credentialing and some ideas about how to just kind of stay organized and as a new NP and and handle some of the, the balls that are getting thrown at your head at a million miles an hour while you're trying to just figure out how to be an NP. Uh, So that's why why I want to do that now you're going to hear something maybe a little different You might hear some background noise. You might hear some people honking at me Maybe some angry people screaming because I'm driving too slow. That's because I'm driving and the reason I'm driving is because I'm going to corporate headquarters because I got a second job and now I am going to be working in an office a little further away from where I was in addition to the place I was at so I'm gonna be in the car a lot A lot of my shows are gonna be with background noise and it might be okay it might be might sound like crap but if the contents good hopefully people will listen anyways so credentialing I figured was a good topic for today because I'm going to meet the credentialing lady right why not talk about it so I've already done credentialing at one place and I'm kind of halfway through credentialing at the second place already and you know it's just as a new NP, it's another layer of, I didn't even know this crap needed to happen. I've heard the word credentialing, but I don't know what it really means. I don't really understand what I have to do, what's expected of me, and all that stuff. Well, hopefully at the end of this show, as a as a student or, or a brand new NP, this might give a little bit of guidance for that. And I'm sure I'm gonna say things wrong in here. I'm sure I'm gonna mess things up. So if you've got experience in this, which a lot of NPs out there do, Tell me I'm wrong. I want to hear. I'm waiting for somebody to say, you're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about, Jeff. And I haven't heard that yet. So I'm waiting for somebody to give me good feedback. I want to hear it in my my emails, jeff at npdude.com. You can leave comments in the comments section below this podcast on my website, thenpdude.com. You can also get me on Facebook, thenpdude. Please, please, please give me comments, questions, concerns, issues, Topics to discuss. Feed me information you guys want to hear because if I can't hear what you guys are saying, I'm just gonna blather on about what I think's cool. So today I'm going to meet the credentialing lady and um Credentialing. What's the deal, right? New NP. Or I'm, I'm in my last semester and I'm still worried about graduating. I'm still worrying about getting my license applications figured out. i got to figure out where, which certifying body I'm going to go to. i still got to study for my certification exams. I don't want to think about credentialing. But here's the thing. If you think about it now and you start organizing things now, it'll make sense. It'll make it easier, I should say it that way. It may not make sense, because God only knows if credentialing is ever going to make sense to anybody, but um, certainly make it a little easier to keep yourself in an organized fashion. So, And I'll get into how to organize, I think, in, at the end of this, to how to handle that. But as far as credentialing is concerned, credentialing is getting you hooked up so that you can get reimbursed. Essentially, what it is. Now, there's two different types there's insurance credentialing, and then there's hospital credentialing. And cre- hospital credentialing is to get you privileges so that they say, Yes, you're not a, you know, psychomaniac killer, and we're going to let you come work in our hospital and smother people in their beds or something in the middle of the night. So they want to make sure they know who's going to be working in their hospitals, and so that's a different animal. I'm family practice in addiction medicine. I'm not credentialed with a, with a hospital. Those I hear are a nightmare. It takes a lot longer, and you really just give them the information they want, and they'd make the decision on it from there. So it's really not, I don't think, a big deal from the NP standpoint. I think it just is more a time constraint. Now, insurance credentialing is a bigger is a bigger deal, right? Because there's a billion insurance plans out there. There's Medicaid, Medi- Medicare, uh, all the different types of Medicaid state Medicaid programs. Um, in Ohio, we've got I don't know four or five that I know of, probably more that I don't know of, um, and so you have to get credentialed with each one of those insurance plans for them to say, yes, we agree that that is a, a real provider, that they meet the requirements that we've set forth in the standards for reimbursement, and then they, they give you all that information from there, right, and say, okay, you're you're hooked in, and you let your billing people go from there, and that's another issue for when I have more experience and, and hopefully learning a lot more about billing and the practice uh, aspects of, of, of the nurse practitioner world. So... The first thing you're gonna wanna do, and we'll go through like when you're in school versus out of school. When you're out of school and you've passed your exams, you've got your certification in hand, you just went to your state, you now have your license number with your state, and the state says, you are good to go. You can go get a job, you're ready to start working. And you got that first job ready, you're interviewing, and they say, yes, we love you, we want you, we're ready to get you started well, what's the next step? The next step is going to be some person with credentialing is going to call you or email you and say, I need this stuff. And it's a whole bunch of stuff, right? One of the first things you're going to need to get is your NPI number, your National Provider Identification Number. And it's basically, think of it as your Social Security number for healthcare. And and this number allows... The Medicare, Medicaid and pretty much any of the other insurance plans to use you as you and only you. and that way I make sure that you know I can track you as a provider and all that good stuff. That's pretty much what your MPI is, and it's an easy application process. I did it online. I don't even remember what was in it. That's how unmemorable it was. So it was a quick thing. You get your MPI. It literally is like emailed to you within a day or less, same day, day or two, and you've got it, and it's just an email and it's a number. Done, MPI, out of the way. So get your MPI first, and then you're gonna email that to your credentialing person, and they're gonna be like, okay, great. (laughs) <laughs> now what? Oh, shoot! Now we got to get you hooked in with the insurance companies. Okay, now we know who you are. Now we got to get a whole bunch more stuff. So, what's that stuff? Well, most of it's pretty obvious. It's your license, your license numbers, all that kind of crap, right? Your certification, certification number, but they also need your dates on those, right? So, the the biggest thing that's just kind of a pain in the ass is going back and remember, our, when was the date that I actually got it certified, and when does it end, and when's my license up for renewal, and all that. So you, what what I did, which made it easier, is I made a master document for my licenses, and I have all that information on it, and I just kind of keep it there. And so I, when I need to look quickly, oh, crap, oh, my certification is due, you know, which it, they're not, I'm new, so it's not going to be. But I can look at that document pretty quickly and easily and say, yep, I can use this to track when I need to... Uh, things and keep things kind of managed so it's kind of does two things and I'm anticipating that that's going to be helpful down the line another thing that um you're going to want to put in there is all your transcripts I used unofficial transcripts for my first job my second job they want officials so it just depends right so I have my unofficials in there in a a file and I'm just going to keep them there and I have electronic version pdfs and I have paper copies too um and I'll, I'll Kind of go through a little bit more on organization later, but it's just something else they're going to need. Kind of seems silly because your certifying body and the state both use your transcripts, but they also want them, so you just get them for them. Any um, employment history stuff. So you're going to have to have your resume information in there. So you have you know which companies you've worked with, your bosses, and phone numbers and contact information. And it's pretty much all the stuff that you would think about, like if somebody wants to know about me, it's going to be in my resume. So most of the stuff you can just grab from your resume. But what's been different in my understanding in the last handful of years is that the way that the Affordable Care Act has mandated streamlining credentialing has changed things. So if you're an older, I don't want to say it that way, if you are an experienced... <laughs> it's not that you're old. You're not old. You just got experience. If you're an experienced NP and you haven't had to change jobs or get re-credentialed for anything in the last four or five years, then, then things may be different for you than what you expect. So this might be worthwhile listening to because it's maybe newer than what you've had to deal with in the past. And one of the things that's new is this thing called CAQH. And the CAQH is um, it, it's kind of a misnomer, right? It's it's an acronym that stands for Council for Affordable Quality Health Care. So what the hell does that have to do with cre- credentialing, right? It's a Council for Affordable Quality Health Care. I, I get this thing from the credentialing lady, and it says CAQH on it, and it's Council for Health Care Quality. I don't know what the hell this is. Well, what they've done is, under the Affordable Care Act, they mandated that... that um, Healthcare providers, or that that insurance and healthcare providers streamline how the healthcare provider's information is given to the health insurance industry, and so as such, the health director in health and human services came up with this this council, the CAQH, and the CAQH is an independent company, but it seems, for all intent and purposes, as an arm of the government, the federal government, under the Affordable Care Act, to mandate the form, the physical form, of how the data is collected on the health providers so that the insurance companies, in other words, Medicare and Medicaid, can approve them for credentialing purposes. And everybody else follows suit, right, because they have to under the Obamacare rules. So now the CAQH is how the credentialing happens for everybody, and the CAQH is it's a it's a login website. You get you, you like anything else you do, your username and password. You log in and you answer a shit ton of questions. And I'm, I'm I swear a lot, and so that my true colors are starting to come out. I don't say the real bad ones, but uh, if you're li- listening with kids, you know sometimes you just gotta. You know I try not to do it too much, but whenever i get talking about the government, it kind of tends to happen more, <laughs> and I apologize. So the CAQH form basically is all the stuff I already talked about. And it's the same things that all the other insurance companies previously asked for. It's just now in one big database that's kind of controlled by the government. And then, then everybody else has health health insurance providers. So Aetna... Can log into the CAQH and, and just say, "Oh yeah, I got a new provider. Here's their MPI number. Give me the majority of their data, and they download the stuff from the from the website. And then now they can approve you and make it, in theory, quicker and easier to approve you. Does it work that way? I don't know. I don't know how it really works on that, and I've never had to do it. But the CAQH form is about if you print it, it's like I don't know, 10 pages, and it's a lot of information. But most of it's stuff that you know if you're brand new as an NP most of it isn't applicable to you there's a lot of stuff for physicians and residencies and things like that that were in there none of it applies to us unless you get into a residency program you know which there's not that many of them out there as an NP Uh, but most of it's not really going to be applicable really not a big deal and that's the majority of what the information is going to be like the rest of everything else is just getting your information together and getting it to the person the credentialing person or if you have to do it yourself dealing with the individual insurance companies, and there can be sometimes 20 or 30 different insurance plans that you get credentialed through. So it makes sense to not want to be the guy to do that. So it's a good question when you're interviewing. Do you have a credentialing person, and if so, um, or if not, who's doing it? Am I expected to do that? And if I'm doing it, then I want to be you know, somewhat paid for that. That's a lot of time and energy that you're going to be spending, you know, making phone calls and emails and scanning stuff and sending it and all that good stuff. So that that that's something I'm going to ever, if I ever interview again, which I'm sure I will in, you know, some point in my life, that's going to be a good question to ask. Hey, do you have a credentialing person? And most people are going to say yes. Most companies are like, yeah, we don't, we don't, I don't want to mess with that. And it's so specific and you keep people busy pretty much all the time if you're, you have a big enough facility where you have changing of, of, uh, practitioner's changing of insurance plans, things like that, change on a pretty regular basis. So a credentialing person is a kind of a good thing to have. So the CAQH is done. Um, the other stuff and, and how to organize it. And when I was in my NP program, we had, I don't know, probably three or four, classes that were geared towards the practice as a nurse practitioner and I always criticized the program for having that many and I still do. I think it's unnecessary to have four classes that I'm paying you know a lot of money for. I'd rather have pharmacology or advanced you know assessment or you know suturing labs and things like that where I'm really learning how to be a good NP instead of people you know telling me you know the policy issues of you know, why we should not be called mid-level providers. I mean, that's always one of the debates, right? So, the reason I'm saying this is that the only thing of value that I remember out of any of those classes, and it's not a huge value in the class, but it was a huge value now, was making a binder making a, a an organized thought process of all the crap that you have to have when you're a nurse practitioner that you didn't have to deal with as an rn and this is a big transitional thing right now nobody you, know, you used to get your your uh continuing ads you get a little printout you just keep a list of how many you got and it's kind of done right the, the bigger thing for for um and np is you got more licenses, you got dea license, you've got maybe a buprenorphine waiver, you've got different accrediting bodies you got to deal with. You've just different cmes. It just can be a nightmare. So one of the things that we we actually had and it was a whole, like a third of the class was creating this this binder. And it could be a virtual binder, it could be just files on a computer in, in different folders. Or it could be, you know, a physical binder that you can, you know, take, print out things and stick it in there. And I kinda like the idea of both, to be honest with you. And I haven't done the paper one and I'm in the process. I've got it like in pieces, parts and sections, but I don't have it put together in three ring binder with sleeves and all that stuff. And I anticipate I will because I think it's valuable. When, when you have this much information about your practice, being able to pull out a piece of paper and and take it to work and scan it and send it to somebody, or take it uh, to work and make a photocopy to put in their file, it's kind of quick. It makes you look, you know, put together, and you've got your stuff, and you don't have to freak out about it. You know, oh man, where's my certification? You know, piece of paper that they said I was certified. Now I got to go to AAMP, log in, request a replacement, maybe pay a fee, and and then put it somewhere and hope I don't lose it. Well, why even go through that if you have one? Either display it on the wall, which is fine, and you know some people put them in their office on the wall. And that's great. Make a photocopy of it, put it in a folder, and forget about it. You don't need to worry about it. it's there. If you need it, you got it. I'm a bigger fan of having thumb drives. I've got you know four or five thumb drives with my personal data hidden all over my house, <laughs> in my car, on my keychain. You put these things everywhere, right? Put one in your office desk, you know, just that way you've got this information at the finger at your fingertips, and, and almost everywhere you're going to either have a computer or the access to a computer. Do PDFs because everywhere can read a PDF. If you got Word files on there and you use somebody else's computer and they don't have Word or something like that, you, you, there's other ways around that, you know. You can, you know, download programs that are, you know, open source programs that you can use and have them on your thumb drive too. But then you got to install it, blah, 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 blah. PDFs are easy, right? PDF everything. Scan them, PDF, put them on your file folder, uh, put one on your computer, put one on your 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 backed up hard drive, put one in Dropbox.com um, you know, or, or Google Docs or whatever. Wherever you put your stuff online, just kind of do a backup Make sure you got this stuff backed up. It just makes it so much easier. It's Just common sense, you know, preparedness stuff. So, in my my virtual binder, I have my resume that's updated. I have um, references that are updated f- pretty frequently. I have um, my certification scanned and ready to go. I have my license itself scanned i have my diplomas for everything which is a huge folder (laughs) Um, i have uh transcripts scanned and in there i've got uh referenced i have a couple letters of references that are just generic reference letters from people that were yeah i'll give you a reference letter and i said well here i have one right here and uh, it's kind of a generic one, and can you sign it? And they read through it So said, yeah, that's, that's everything I would say, and signed it, and okay, scan, done. So it's kind of nice to have those. So that way, if somebody wants to say, hey, we need two references, boom, done. You don't even have to think about it. It's You know, it's when this credentialing process, there's so much back and forth and people asking for stuff, I'm going to load them up. And it was pretty good, I, I, even with, without as being as organized as I would like to be, it still was pretty decent because I have my stuff in folders on my computer, so I, I fired a lot of off to people in email form, and most people are, are sophisticated enough to know that yeah, I can I can work with it. Um, the other thing I have in there is my collaborative agreements are scanned in and uh, the originals, so that way I've got it in my, to my at my fingertips. Hopefully, we won't need those in the future, but right now I have it what else what else can you think your states are specific so whatever it is that you think is important put in there oh here's one Um, I actually go to our license lookup for my state and I print out a copy of that to PDF and I use a program called cute PDF writer there's a billion of them out there that you can it's just like a printer instead of selecting your you know physical printer you you select this PDF writer and anything that you can print to your printer you can print to a PDF and it's fantastic QPDF PDF writer is the one I use and, it, and I don't even know if they still service or if it's still out there. I'm sure it is but it's fantastic I, I use it all the time um, I use it for receipts so whenever I uh, sign up for a certification or anything and they say print receipt I don't print a physical copy because I'm too lazy to go to my printer, I'll print a PDF to it and then automatically backs up to my, um, to my offsite backup service that I use. So I don't worry about any of that stuff. I just kind of print a PDF and I have got my receipt and that way for taxes later or, you know, somebody, you know, for some reason, the certification body says, oh, we never got you, um, enrolled. Or we didn't get your, you know, recertification fee or any of that stuff. I can email them that PDF and say, look, here's the the number, here's you know, with the transaction. If their system goes down or they get hacked or whatever, at least I've got a copy of, you know, a $731 DEA license application, right? So that's the kind of stuff I keep in there too. So I've got that stuff in there. Um, organization is just really what makes sense to you. I would put the stuff that that you use the most in front. And then, um, you know, add the stuff that you're not going to, you know, my collaborative agreement, I'm going to have to use, I'm going to have to look at it at least every two years. I'm going to put that kind of in the back, right? It's kind of a big document that sit in the back. But stuff like CMEs, I'm going to put those up front because I'm going to be adding to those suckers all the time. So I want to make sure that um, that I keep track of it. I've got a log of those. You want to make a log for your CMEs? I'm sure there's a ton of them out there. This is where people with experience Tell me what you use. I'd love to hear a way that you manage your CMEs. Um, I know AAMP does it for you in theirs, but if you're doing non-AAMP uh, things, um, you can. You know, how how do you keep track? And that's the advice I'm looking for. Uh, and I, I know other people out there are having these questions too. So, so send you send those comments, please. Somebody listen to this comment. I want to hear it. I want to see if someone's listening and responds. This is a test. So show me how you guys manage that stuff. Um, That's pretty much what I'm going to put in mind. I'm sure as it develops, I'll get more organized. I don't want to go too long on this, but I want to make sure that... um we, uh, you know, at least kind of touch on the main things for credentialing and just kind of go through the process. In time frame, right, I, you know, my brother said, i give you a comment on when I was talking about credentialing the other day on one of my podcasts. He said, hey, gr- good podcast. He's a physician. He goes, yeah, 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 your credentialing's way off. It took me six months to get credentialed. And, and I replied back, yeah, I think, but it's easier with NPs. We don't have as much crap as you guys got. You know, they have to actually go through and count how many surgeries you do and what you're doing and, you know, check your you know, how many times you've been sued and blah, 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 blah. If he hasn't, but if you have, that's a lot more work to get done. And I also think that when you get your credentialing, a lot more with physicians that are tied to hospitals doing surgeries, it's a different animal than a family nurse practitioner doing outpatient, you know, seeing people in the office. So I think that's why, um, you know, we typically are anywhere from... uh, you know, a month to two to three months. Sometimes you can hear people going longer. I, I did a clinical setting last year where one of the clinical, uh, not my instructor, but one of the MPs there was still waiting for Medicaid. And it was like nine, ten months. And to me, I'm, I, I was like, I'd be yelling at my credentialing person about, you know, you need to get that done. Cause that's a huge, you know, it was pediatric rotation. That's a huge number of patients that that N.P. is just sitting there not able to see. And, you know, how long is it going to take for um, the employer to eventually say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to kind of cut this person off. <laughs> That's a long time to be working without billing to you know, one of the main sources of insurance. So, anyways, that was a comment that my brother had, and uh, he did it through text. He probably didn't want to embarrass me. Thanks, John. Um but embarrass me do a comment on the on the on the web page i want to make sure it's working right you know i've i seen a couple comments through uh, the, the initial post and nothing sense through the through my website so thenpdo.com. keep listening i want ideas i really mean it and uh, thanks again for listening this is jeff giving nurse practitioners a voice